0: Hey there companions, I uh, just wanted to step in here at the beginning before we get this episode started to let you know that the episode 4 remaster is finally complete. You should go back and listen to the intro for Astra and Keth that was at the beginning of this campaign, because I'm actually quite proud of it. it. took me way too long because I didn't have the raw audio files, and it's not exactly perfect, but the flow of the entire episode is so much smoother, it's so much faster, it's a quick listen. So just head on over to our podcast feed to make sure you update your podcast app if you're not using one that updates itself. And if the intro is a disclaimer about remastering the episode, then it is the right one that you're listening to. So make sure you listen for that disclaimer and then you'll know you're listening to the right episode. But yeah, go back and listen to it because I'm really proud of it. And that's really all I had to say. So we'll go ahead and get started with the episode Hey companions, it's a special episode for you today as it is the fourth out-of-character table talk. The six of us have gathered around the table to answer your questions about our story so far. But before we get started with that, I would like to knock out a quick level up with everyone except for Finch. Assuming you have listened to the Act 4 finale, Shadow at the End of the Tunnel, you know Finch came back to their timeline anew and leveled up to 10. So now we gotta get the other four caught up. Who would like to go first?
1: I can go first, since I've been deciding what I wanted to do in my spare time.
0: All right. So, D, let's go ahead and level up Astra.
1: Astra is going to take another level in Sorcerer. All right. She will be a 6th Sorcerer for Cleric.
0: All right. What all do you get with a 6th level in Sorcerer?
1: I get one more Sorcery point. I get the Sorceress Origin feat, Ben Luck where you can use your reaction and spend two sorcery points to roll 1d4 and apply the bonus or penalty to another creature's attack, save, or ability roll.
0: Okay, so it kind of is like a bardic inspiration, but for sorcerers.
1: And then I get uh, one new spell known, um, zero to third level.
0: Have you chosen that spell already? Um, th- What's it up between?
1: It's between Clairvoyance, Slow, and I think Haste.
0: Gotcha. And are you going to be replacing one as well?
1: Um, potentially. I have not looked at that option yet.
0: Okay. I mean, we don't have to go ahead and tell the listeners what spells you're taking. It can always be a fun little surprise during the episodes. But, um, what I do want to do is go ahead and roll that HP. Okay. Which will be a D6, I
1: believe. Yep. One D6 or four plus constitution modifier for sorcerer sorcerer level after first.
0: Yeah. You got some new dice for a Christmas present, huh? Secret Santa at work. Hey.
1: (laughs) All right, just one? Yep. That's a four. All right,
0: so four plus your const Well, if you're using D&D Beyond, so all you'll have to do is increase your rolled HP by four. But typically, that'll be four plus your constitution modifier. What's your con modifier just to so you know?
1: Plus three. All right,
0: so you'll be getting seven HP. That's not bad for a level in Sorcerer, that is. All right, you good, Astra? Deidre? That's me. It's weird calling y'all by y'all's names on the, on the mic instead of your character names. Uh, Who wants to go after Astra, (laughs) a D-drug? Yeah, I'll go. All right, right,
2: so I'm going up a level in Warlock. I am. I'll go ahead and get my HP out the way. So rolling my D8. I need it. All right, cool. Six. All right. And you have the toughness fee, right? I do. And my con is plus two, so I gain 10 hit points.
3: Nice. Wow.
4: So put me up to 89, baby. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, you're... Beef, you might be beefier than I am. Well, my AC up. is
2: also 13. Yeah, I so. think it
4: isn't Finch's new paladin at 87. I think your HP is pretty low. Yeah, 87.
5: 87. It went
0: yeah. up from the ranger area, but he's the
2: world. I remember has thinking, more.
5: like, ooh, 87. Like, I thought I was <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty high. <laughs> well, at this
2: point, toughness has given me 20
0: extra hits. Oh, that's mm-hmm. yeah, so. that's, yes, that's true. So, that's a hit to you, listeners. If you're seeking some HP,
2: <laughs> yeah, take toughness. Especially if you're frail, like old Felomir is. And then I also gain uh, no spells, no
0: spell slots. <laughs> I get a cantrip. You don't learn a new spell at all? Nope. Except a cantrip. All right. I
2: get a cantrip, and I'm taking Mind Sliver. That's the psychic damage one? Uh-huh. It's an intelligence save, uh, D6, psychic damage, and they subtract a D4 from an next saving throw. Okay. That sounds useful. Uh, I also get a, a, a patron feature. Uh, for level ten, it's thought shield. Starting at tenth level, your thoughts can't be read by telepathy or other means unless you allow it. You also have resistance to psychic damage, and whenever a creature deals psychic damage to you, that creature takes the same amount of damage that you do. Hmm. Wow. So hopefully, we got some more mind flayers coming at us. <laughs> hmm.
3: Will
0: I mean, by the time that this releases, there will be some uh, hints in the cutscene that come out that yes, there potentially will be some mind slayers. Mind Flayers. <laughs>
2: Mind, slayers. Mind, slayers.
0: <laughs> Mind Flayers. Mind uh, Flayers in your potential path.
2: Cool. Or just, you know, some psychic damage, whatever. <laughs> I'm resistant to all of it now, which is great. Uh, and then I am going to be switching out a spell, but I'm not sure what I'm going to switch out yet. I'll probably just let that be a surprise. Okay. I think I'm going to drop Witch Bolt. Okay. And gain a higher level spell. That makes sense. Yeah. For, for a warlock, I think it does. Because the only spells I cast at all anymore are my 5th level spells. So probably going to get another option from that or a 4th level spell. But we'll see what happens when the, the time comes up. Yeah,
0: so that makes you resistant to psychic damage and fire damage now as the tiefling? Correct. So I'm a little, I got a, I got a little... And you got some HP? I
2: got a little, I'm a little, a <laughs> little, little, little beefy. Uh, and then that is all that Felomir will receive.
0: After Felomir, we still got Doroth and Keth.
4: Oh, go ahead.
0: Alright, so Steven, what's going on with Keth?
4: All right, so I looked at the Barbarian, Tenth, and Suan levels and didn't really dig what I saw. So I'm going to take a level and Fighter. All right. I'm actually kind of bummed that I didn't do this earlier because Fighters get some cool shit. Especially like in the early levels Mm because you get
0: the and Surge and the... What's the one that gives you HP? Second, second win. win. Second
4: win, yeah. Well, yeah. More importantly than second win, which I do get at level one, is the fighting style. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't get fighting a fighting style. style as a barbarian? Mm-mm. What? That's wild. Okay. But I'm between two fighting styles. I'm one, guessing greater weapon. No. No? No. no. I'm, I'm a tanky. I'm a beefy boy. Okay. Capra protect. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, mm-hmm. So it's either a defense, which we'll just add a flat. Plus one to my oh AC. My <laughs> I mean, how many times has
2: one AC point made a difference for you? Right. Quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs>
4: and then the other one is uh, another shield fighting style. Where's it at here? It's the protection. Yeah. So I can impose disadvantage if a creature attacks an ally within five feet of me.
0: And Finch will be up there with you now. So mm-hmm. it could be
4: a move. So it's it's between those two. Have you chosen? Do you want to hide do it? A, do you want
0: to
4: continue without it for
0: now? Yeah. All right.
4: <laughs> I guess oh. they get
0: to hide their spells so you can hide your fighting style. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have spells to hide. <laughs> Let me hide this, Dave.
4: Uh, can I borrow a d10, please? That's a two. Hell yeah. So I get a uh, plus, plus five. Hell yeah. <laughs> to bring me up to 89 hit points. Hey, I oh, love- Okay
6: good number 89 club it balances
0: with that potentially 21 ac that you might get <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it for Kev. that's it you don't get any like special fighter abilities at level one or are they all at two
4: you get second wind at level one mm-hmm. okay
0: so you get second wind
4: yeah second wind and just the fighting style and the next level i'll get action surge and then the level after that i'll get my uh, archetype okay well that
6: leaves you radams hey all right so um first let's let's do hp Rolling a D8 here. All right, that's going to be seven. So okay. I'm going up to 77 HP. Damn. So who's the lowest?
1: I'm 85. So me, Doris yeah. the lowest at 77. Yeah.
6: Damn. But dude, that, that, dude, when I had 70, guess who couldn't kill me? <laughs> <laughs> Velmir? You got seven more now. <laughs> really can't kill me now. But uh, like we said before, uh, my Bardic Inspiration die goes up to a D10 now. When I when I try to inspire you, you now get a D10 of extra attack roll or whatever saving throw. Be.
0: Yeah. So plus potential plus ten to an yes. attack. Damn.
6: Also, I get expert another level of uh, expertise, which I actually forgot about until I read the chart. Um, before it meant that I could choose two skills and basically like double my proficiency in them, double my bonus, and add it to that. And I forgot about that, like I said, and lo and behold, I get to choose two more <laughs> and I have not <laughs> yet. Because uh, I wonder, like, why is my score in Deception and Persuasion so much higher than everything else? And it's that. So um, I have not decided yet. So I'm going to need a minute on that. Also... Um, magical secrets another thing i've not decided on yeah
0: i saw that Uh, one when i saw that you potentially were leveling up to 10 bard and that scares me
6: (laughs) i it Mm -hmm. means that i get to choose two more spells from any class So I have a lot of spells to look through. Yeah, you do. To make an informed decision.
4: (laughs) Mm -hmm. What uh, this. What level spells?
6: Any level I can cast.
4: Yeah. yeah. What what what's your highest level that you can cast five. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. There's some there's some really good (laughs) good level spells. spells. And
6: another thing that I gained is another level five spell slot. So yeah. Got some some decisions to make here. And I also got another cantrip, which I also have not chosen. So uh I might need that book. <laughs> Here's uh, I've got
0: all three of them right there in front of you. All right. Here's the handbook book. if you want to. I think uh, I would need the handbook for this. So yeah, I mean, if if y'all decide to share information about your level up as we go through this, we'll interrupt the questions and go through it.
2: Well, I'll just go ahead and say I'm 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 picking banishment
4: for my spell. All right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm leaning towards protection just because thematically it seems pretty cool. Yeah, and I think like, mechanically it's fun. Yeah like you know how you like feats that are just interesting right like protection has
0: that kind of mechanical fun to it whereas like taking the defense though it would buff you up a lot it just you know it's not just a flat yeah Yeah. just
4: a flat bonus yeah i'm gonna go with protection
0: it's like only casting eldritch blast as a warlock Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean what else am i supposed to do i I know (laughs) bud i know
0: next thing i want to do is mention those that have submitted questions to us because it definitely gives us a perspective that i'm not sure we see so thank you to plutorch on discord morgerman on discord lucas of duff on discord diana on discord joseph on discord and ron truth mexico on discord hey and these are some of the questions that weren't really specific to story arcs or anything so i'm gonna start with these what is your ritual or thought process for getting into character and how has it changed since the start of the show? It's a lot
4: easier now. <laughs> True. Uh I I don't really personally I don't have a ritual or anything for Keth. I just kind of start doing the Keth voice and I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I feel like our early ritual was take some shots.
1: and yeah. then record. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's uh Dave, we need a recap to remember everything that happened last time.
5: Recaps for sure. I feel like we get some longer breaks than we used to in between some of these, especially when we get like a big uh, nest of episodes. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Generally, I'm like, yeah, recap. And then I'm just like manically going over all my notes to try and not be totally absent minded. Yeah. I
2: usually try to listen to at least like the last 10, 15 minutes of the the most recent episode if it's available.
0: Like on your trip here, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Just to kind of get, but you know, do my own little recap. And you know, the ambiance and everything from the episode kind of gets me in the mindset of, yeah. of playing. But yeah, it's definitely a lot easier than it used to be. There used to be, like you said, just take some shots and start <laughs> sitting down and shaking and sweating. <laughs> yeah, Trying to loosen up. Uh, so it's definitely a lot more natural now for sure.
6: I'll say it's the same for me. Like, there. There used to be a ritual where I would have to, like, warm up with the Dorothy voice or whatever. But now, like like Steven said, I just, like, sit down and we just start. For me, I don't, wouldn't say I struggle with it, but it's a more top of mind thing for me, is making decisions as Dorothy, So I kind of have to get into the mindset of, like, this situation is in front of you. What would Doroth do? Not, not what, what would Adams do. Not what makes sense to me, yeah. but what would make sense to him. And that's more of a thing that I do consciously than ritualizing the start of it
2: oh also i will say for our uh, finch out of water characters i did do some vocal warm-ups when i was at home <laughs> well we,
0: we definitely will cover that arc in uh, some heavy detail i think most of our questions came in about that one so yeah. next question that is also not really specific to any story arc how long do sessions last and how much do you usually edit out um, this is actually not a lone question for me anymore. I actually get to team up with Ray Tom on this one. Hey, <laughs> so yeah, for you listeners, I don't know if you realize, but Ray Tom has been doing some editing for me. He does the uh, pre-cut and gets it all uh, minimal for me. Yeah, about a year now. Well, yeah. every year. Yeah, and um, so I don't really see. I think our usual recordings, on average, are like three hours or so. I would say on average, it's three hours. Typically, uh, maybe a little less,
2: two and a half to three hours. Yeah. Sometimes we'll push over that, but very, very rarely.
0: And then his cut usually comes to me at about an hour and a half, probably 75% of that. to two, yeah. And then I cut it even another 50% maybe, Mm -hmm. or not another 50%, but I get it down to 50%. Yeah. Um, So, So yeah, on average, three hours, and then the final release is roughly an hour. What I have noticed is early on, I cut out a lot. Like I cut a lot. And nowadays, it feels like a lot of what we say at the table ends up in the episode.
2: Yeah, it's like unless I something is completely off topic or like just like rules discussion or anything like that, I leave it in because I'm like I could see this staying in the episode. Yeah, so I'll leave that decision to you and just cut out the stuff that I am positive
0: we don't need in the episode. Yeah, so I truly don't feel like like at this point. In our editing process, the listeners are missing out on anything. Like, if they're missing out on something, it is really not important.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, all the stuff that is, well, not important, but, like, entertaining ends up being a blooper anyway. So,
0: So, yeah, that's that question. Uh, We'll go on and talk about the prequel next. I don't think we had any questions submitted regarding the prequel, but I still wanted to talk about it, specifically on some certain things. For the listener's sake, I want to first mention that each of you, I believe, held out on listening to the prequel until I gave you the all clear.
5: I still haven't listened to it. <laughs> you still
3: haven't listened to it, <laughs> really?
5: I honestly, I forgot until I was just trying to see how far back this arc went, or and uh, then I or act, and I was like, oh shit, there's a prequel. <laughs> I forgot about it. I was just so tuned it out.
0: Um, so yeah, they we ended up recording. So episode ninety nine is whenever they finally had the all clear. To listen to episode eighty six, so they had to wait probably six months or so.
2: Yeah, I mean, you recorded that like the first week or two of last January.
5: Yeah, uh, it was it released February fourth. This act has been almost a year long. That's crazy to me. <laughs> Feels like yesterday, man. <laughs> yeah. So when, when did ninety nine come out? Ninety nine released on August twenty sixth. So
0: yeah, roughly six months, yeah, a little sure. more, more than that. More than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, y'all, we recorded it. Way before it released, yeah, like probably j- like early August. So yeah, y'all. Pro- I mean, y'all may have listened to it early July because we went a like a quick. We ran through headed on up there and the the uh, ignorance is bliss arcs like back to back to back as much as I could. Yeah, true. Because I wanted to uh, stay in the mood and get to that point because I knew that y'all were gonna be jumping through time. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: So yeah, a good a good six months.
0: So yeah, that was something I wanted to mention to you listeners in case y'all didn't know. And uh, the next question. So this is something I put in a question where I messed up with the finale is the four bodies that were laying there. Uh, forgot to mention they were there, never brought them up again during the fight with Velmere. So for Canon's sake, whenever Finch showed up, a shockwave went out (laughs) and pushed all the bodies to the side of the room, which was a very large chamber. Y'all never saw them. So now their bodies are just decaying forever right there. And, uh, sorry, Mars, the, uh, Steven and Joe. Yeah. <laughs> gone, gone, but <laughs> Damn. And another thing I wanted to mention about those bodies, when I gave Finch that investigation check at the end of episode 99 about those bodies, he would have found the stab wounds of Velmere stabbing the person before they touched the orb. So, okay. or maybe like as they touched the orb, but basically the, the black shadow y'all saw coming out as Finch was touching the orb, slowly drifting out, that was Velmere about to stab Finch.
5: Okay, yeah, I remember that check, and I was like, hmm, I wonder what he's missing here. So <laughs> Velmere was just chilling in that room the whole time, just yes. like waiting for me, basically, no one else. Waiting like, for
0: you to deactivate the orb so he could grab it, kill okay. you and take him. Huh. Sneaky, sneaky. Uh, but that's all I really wanted to mention about the prequel. Is there anything else y'all want to talk about with the prequel? I know I mean Finch doesn't because no, he's Oh, I got nothing
3: to say about Matt knows
0: nothing about that recall. It was great and you should listen to it. <laughs> you should listen to
2: it and then listen to ninety nine right afterwards. Also, Joe was great. My personal favorite character in that.
0: He was so insecure about it but honestly I think he was the best of them all
2: (laughs) yeah I would I would he was so actually nervous and his character in game was nervous so he didn't really have to role play (laughs) he was just like yeah I'm gonna run away
0: (laughs) all right so now we'll go over a gold herring this was the first story arc we had at the beginning of act two or act four to remind you, Astra, Keth and Kurgle were together. Astra received a letter from Mayan Rail at the Ever Sanctum. The three of you went and met him, learned more about the faded, the Amalgam, and the Darkest Night, and faced off against the false faded Core Raveness in the Eversanctum. How was that arc for y'all, Keth and Astra? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. It was fun.
1: Yeah, it was definitely interesting learning more about Astra and the Faded. I honestly don't really remember the fight with Core. Oh, was I do. The, was that the one where I
4: cast Fly on me, or you you did something to make me fly? I was, I was, like, like, it was a wild ceiling, Magic
2: or something. I want to yeah. say it was a wild magic. Yeah, a wild magic happened. that caused you to cast Fly on Kath,
4: and then I grabbed Core and f- flew up to the ceiling, threw <laughs> <Smashing laughs> him into the ceiling. <laughs> Is blood. that
1: where I was, like, meditating with Oystrich? Yeah. That... Okay, that was so long ago. Yeah, and then
4: you had I your, really like, remember.
2: little vision thing when I was an evil demon. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that.
1: She's yeah. a witch! <laughs> I do remember that. I laugh so fucking hard every time I hear that. <laughs> Get her! <laughs> Yeah, that was a good time.
0: Finch and Felomir, the two of you were dealing with the aftermath of the fight with Yager. Uh Crimson Command were murdering innocents in the streets, apparently. Turns out it was the monster disguised as Grant Quarter, Finch's boot camp commander. How was that for y'all? I feel like that was kind of uh, demoralizing for Finch, maybe.
5: I mean, yeah, I, I guess it put some perspective, just as a player, I still had a bunch of fun with, with Ryan <laughs> running around town and like... Chasing a guy down, I really remember like enjoying like the rooftop like chase scene, and I hate that I didn't land like the spear tackle off the building. Still, but it was still like <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was I liked the little the the the
2: mystery, the sleuthing aspect of it. Like even like going back and like sifting through all the crimson command letters was yeah. really mm-hmm. fun uh, because Dave actually wrote those out and, yeah. and <laughs> handed them to us, and I, I still have. all...
5: We sat here and made piles.
2: Twenty dude. of them. <laughs> So that that was a fun little aspect of it, for sure.
0: Uh, Doroth met a guardian. Uh, Gemini disguised as Lorik. How was that conversation for you, Radoms? How does Radoms feel about Rusi Hegelcher? I think we know how Doroth feels.
6: Uh, I would say our feelings are similar. <laughs> um, it, the fact that you hid his name <laughs> in her name, and it's been in front of my face this whole time, <laughs> Is is pretty infuriating to me, I have to say. But I I still argue that what he did was not funny. And he just swears that it's funny.
0: I mean it was funny like, to me. But, <laughs> uh,
6: oh, it's funny like as as a story like a thing to experience in a story like, ha this happened to you. But from Doroth's perspective, he's like, Where's the joke? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's funny about it to me.
2: Yeah, pretty much you, he was just stalking you.
6: <laughs>
2: I gotcha.
0: So side note about that whole exchange, uh, the Loric-Doroth meetup was actually supposed to happen in Gamor at the beginning of Act 2, but y'all locked yourselves away in the Crimson Command. <laughs>
5: oh, well, you know what? His still, his like chase scene with the people like in the basement oh. was totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. see it as like a Scooby Doo thing where like they run in one door down the hallway and pop out the other one further down. And oh, you shit mean
6: like that. am non combat combat? <laughs>
3: yeah, you killed somebody. Right? Well,
2: uh, yeah, I guess technically, or you made
5: them kill their
3: friends.
5: <laughs> yeah, brutal. Yeah, I
0: believe they were called the Midnight Coven. I think that's what I called them. Mm-hmm. So another question about this, though, regarding the it should have happened in Act Two thing, Radams. Do you think if Doroth would have had this Lork Gemini reveal earlier on, would it have changed the way Doroth treated this whole quest line? Keep in mind this would have been before Velmir reveal and before you went into Mithron for the first time.
6: Yes, one hundred percent it would have. Yes, because at that point, like before that had happened dorth really had no he like of course he's learned like for all this time about like the guardians and all that but he had no like personal connection to the quest or anything like that he was just like in the beginning like hey i have these people that'll listen to me talk i've never had that i'm gonna hang out with them and now he's in this fucking quest to save the world and he's looking (laughs) around like what am i doing here like i'm a i'm a performer yeah, what but is... If that had happened earlier, he would probably have come to that conclusion sooner of like, I I have a place here.
0: Yeah, I want to say like, it was probably around Act 3, I started telling y'all like, how much of your character backgrounds percentage wise has been revealed and done and completed. And like, Doris was the only one below 90% and way below 90%, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like 10% or something like that. Because he hadn't had the chance to meet Lorik again. So yeah, that was a fun, long, four-year reveal for me.
5: And, and, and snaps again to whoever plays Lorik, too. That voice is that so is, spot on. That
0: is Seth, the DM of Cheaper by the Dungeon. Yeah. And yeah, he does some killer voices on his podcast.
5: I couldn't imagine anybody else sounding like him. <laughs> yeah.
0: At the start of Headed on Up There, you begin making your way out of Chandolin. Two questions that I wanted to kind of pose here. Right, Tom, Felomir was visited by Ramora and explained that his seekers sometimes find immortality and death, gifted by the Amalgam for exemplary achievements in life. Otherwise, the seeker, warlocks, which are selected by the Amalgam, would die like anyone else. Do you believe Felomir has achieved this already? If not, is there a plan to do something so extraordinary?
2: I mean, kinda, yeah, I think he has. I mean, even like the whole Goal with the arcane well was achieved and a pretty landmark achievement, I would say. Not to mention assisting with the rest of the orbs. Like, I'm, I don't know what, what else Felomir could maybe do. He doesn't intend to do anything differently. Felomir's mindset is after that was like, I achieved what I wanted to achieve. I want to help my friends. And if that, you know, puts me over the edge to get immortality, then that's cool. If it doesn't, then I guess I don't deserve it. So. That's pretty much the, his internal monologue on, on that.
0: So it's kind of like, I'll get it if I do, if I get it if I don't kind of thing?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Like, I, I'm, ha- I'm content with the way my life has gone. I'm satisfied with my accomplishments. If that's not good enough, then hey, maybe I deserve to die. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Very selfless. <laughs>
0: All right, next one from me, uh, Matt. Finch talked to a commander after being detained by Sentinels in Chandelion. How do you think that talk with that commander went? Is Finch still wary of getting other organizations in ACES aligned with the potential threat of Vorin?
5: I I think maybe I've started to realize more, especially after listening to it again, that I I think maybe the mission needs to be more of uniting nations and other people to come together. And I've got to somehow figure out how to make, to get their ear and to get them to believe me, which might be the next act (laughs) in a big-ass courtroom, but uh that's uh no i i wish i would have trusted him sooner um i wish i could have been a little more eloquent but that's definitely where i like having Felomir as like my side partner because he's like he's like i don't know he's the library to my sword or something you know (laughs) (laughs) the book to my blade (laughs) but uh yeah no i think that that, that's going to be a big part of what's coming because i obviously i can't do everything by myself i need to somehow unite people against what is coming before it gets here yeah are you
0: hoping that this courtroom scene might give you that platform to do it?
5: Yeah. And, and I think I, I'm hoping that maybe that guy might even be there. I can somehow call on him, or at some point, I, I think I'm definitely going to end up calling on Chandler and the Sentinels. And whether or not they come, I don't know. But I think if that guy at least gets my message, I stand a chance.
0: Okay. Uh, next question Steven, is Keth afraid for Kurgle's life?
4: Is Steven afraid for Kurgle's life? <laughs> Um, yes, and yes, <laughs> uh, I think Kath has seen that she's uh, a little more capable than he may have thought she was. But me, as a player, have been trying to find like figure out ways to safely, uh, you know, get pu- push her away, push her to safety. But we haven't we haven't found a, a good way to do that yet. <laughs> so when
0: you say push her to safety, are you hoping to leave her behind at some point? Mm-hmm.
6: Okay. That is, first of all, I'm going to call bullshit. That is not what y'all are trying to do. Y'all are pu- trying to push her straight into Dorit's arms. <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't fucking noticed that are, shit. Are your arms
5: not safe, dude? <laughs> not or right now, that? they're not. <laughs> what did we just talk about? Has
6: <laughs> anybody
0: rule 34 yet? Uh, oh, <laughs> God. <girl>. Oh, no. <laughs> what
6: do what you mean yet? Uh,
0: this was a big story arc, though, that headed on up there, which, you know, ended with the pedestrian to equestrian Bucky's
5: The fucking Joan thing. <laughs> fucking yeah. bulletin board.
0: So this was a pretty big arc that had a lot going on, but it was also the only arc that had any real NPCs that we could talk about. And somebody posed a question. What was your favorite NPC for this act? Which I think most of the NPCs happened during headed on up there, so I figured I'd pose this question here:
6: Is this the act that had the part where we were trying to figure out like the bulletin board and shit? Yes. All right. So the dude, <laughs> <laughs> the dude that ran the jewelry shop, I want to say. Oh, God, that shit <laughs> made
3: me so mad. That was
4: actually gonna be that was gonna be my point. Was that was my favorite?
3: NPC. <laughs> that was yeah, a good one. So we can agree on that.
4: I can't really remember the other NPCs or any like notable ones. There were a lot of them. Uh, there was the lumberjack family, Rico. Rico, but he was sad. He was a sad yeah. NPC.
1: My <laughs> my favorite NPC was the dog that we found, but we never actually found uh, <laughs> yeah. that
5: record. That's the real missing link. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was going to be
0: the next uh, bullet point for me was that well we lost we recorded episode ninety three. I lost it somehow. Still don't know how I did it. And then we had to re-record it, and we just completely ignored the fact that it was recorded. And I completely redid the whole setup that was episode 93. But originally, (laughs) if anybody wants to explain. Nah,
6: it's some Marvel shit, dude. That's a whole nother storyline. Like, timeline broke off right there. Uh Still got the dog.
0: Yeah, but basically they ended up going into the woods to find the source of the slods and it ended up being a cave in that instance instead of a tower. Mm -hmm. And we
1: ended up finding the lost dog that was on the, (laughs) like, the bulletin missing board poster,
0: thing. Yeah. bulletin board. And I want to say like the dog grew really attached to Doroth first because Doroth went on by himself originally. Yeah,
1: he was speaking with plants. Yeah, the
0: oh, plants yeah. went yeah. away. Yeah,
3: yeah. that, that whole
1: that. thing didn't happen, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, was I that the first that. instance of you using speaking with I plants? I remember yes, the missing
5: episode so. more than the episode we recorded. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, honestly. That was a good
1: one.
0: Yeah, episode 93 original missing recording is by far,
5: I think, better than Yeah, actually. it was good. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? That one's just for us. And that's I mean, for us. Sometimes for this Sometimes table. you take a picture in the moment. Sometimes you don't, and you just remember it. <laughs> and that's what we got here. But yeah,
0: any other NPCs you all want to mention? I honestly don't remember. Yeah, it
2: was a good bit. Like, it's yeah. hard to
5: remember for sure, but
2: like in Chandolin, there was there was Mayan Rail. There was the uh, the guy we talked to. I was gonna say
5: yeah, that that guy was probably I guess mm-hmm. one of my favorites because he was I feel like the one person to take. Me and us, and the quest, and everything seriously, and like not be super doubtful. And like, uh, he, he seemed like a, a learned man with his writing of everything and documenting, like, he took everything seriously, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a
0: good conversation. Yeah, I really liked that conversation. It's like 20 minutes long or something, yeah, pretty long, yeah, and it's just like. Straight role playing. It doesn't really turn into a game other than like two checks, maybe like a persuasion and an insight. It's
5: one of the very few times I've really had to explain what's going on, and which helps give me perspective too as a player.
2: I was a big fan of the NPC that corralled Finch and Dorothy into riding horses. Yeah, the race horsing oh, yeah. situation. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely yeah. one was of fun. my favorite
5: moments of the arc. Yeah. I, I had so much fun raising that fucking <laughs> yeah. horse in the episode, dude.
2: <laughs> uh, there was our uh, our little Crimson Command. Outcast friend. Oh, that's true. Who we didn't let sleep in the tent.
3: <laughs> oh, that was so
5: fucked up. No, we let him sleep in there yeah. the second time, right? No, you never.
2: Know. No, he never did. Damn. No, well, <laughs> we yeah, because we saved him from the knolls. Yeah. After oh, yeah. he ran off but, ahead of us.
6: But he was like gone when we woke up or something, right? That was
2: the first the first night.
4: time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We,
2: we didn't let him in the lemon hut, and we woke up, and he had already left,
5: and almost got himself killed. Yes, and then we saved him,
2: <laughs> and then he slept in the hut. Yes, and then. But wait, I we said watching farewell. him.
5: I don't think I slept that night. I still stayed up watching him. I think yeah. so. That was also
0: the situation where uh Astra healed the horses before North
6: that was that story
5: arc God, i made a
1: a very specific note i noticed it in my notes that was like doroth is upset <laughs> <laughs> oh i
0: didn't notice that i took the the note that i took that what i noticed was in the velmere fight at the end you went straight to doroth and healed him
6: yeah oh yeah doroth was sitting there watching that like wow <laughs> yeah not only
2: not only did you heal the horses you also Repaired the wagon. Yes, (laughs) yes.
6: An inanimate object.
4: Meanwhile, Doris looking like a pincushion
3: from all the arrows.
6: (laughs) Took 80% of the arrows, went straight into my ass. I was like, ducked behind shit, and they like arced them.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They're like looking down from tree branches directly at you.
0: This is kind of for, this was a question for me to y'all from DM to players, uh, kind of judging enjoyment, but the headed on up there arc was pretty big. And so I just kind of leaving this up for a general discussion because we don't do a lot of traveling story arcs where there's just potential side quests after potential side quests, some world, like lots of world building, explaining the region kind of thing. How was that for y'all? Did you enjoy it? Did you feel like it strayed
4: you awake way too far away from the main quest? I enjoyed it. I, I like the kind of travel in between, like big story plot points. I think, like you said, it's a lot of world building, and it kind of expands on the story, the overarching story, a lot more than just like hopping from point to point.
2: I would say I'm generally not a fan of that, but I don't think we've done it in this campaign at all. So when when it's used like that, like sparingly, or just like once throughout a long campaign. I, I enjoy it, just like you said for the world building aspects. You know, I generally much more enjoy plot driven sessions, but uh, stuff like that, like I said, used sparingly is pretty impactful. I also like how there was a lot of stuff we potentially could have done that we just didn't do, like the whole uh, situation uh, where me and Finch overheard those guys talking about like the the crow, the murder, the assassin skilled. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. it was like, man, I really want to know more about this. But, yeah, you know, and we could have, I assume we could have followed through. With that. Too
6: many roles, dude.
0: Yeah, and there was also the the dig company, the archaeologist that, yeah, were... up at the,
2: with the druid, the blood druids, or whatever. Yeah, right? they were in that
0: area, uh, with the mining town Blogel, I think. Mm hmm. Um, blogel, blogel <laughs> might have been Joan. I can't remember which one. Yeah, there was that whole side quest with like the archaeologists finding very old ruins, like pre mm-hmm.
4: fourth age ruins. I think that's another thing that I liked about that kind of travel arc or whatever was that there were so many different like side quests that we could choose to do. We could have made it significantly shorter or significantly longer. And I think we did make it a little longer than you intended or, or thought that we would additionally. Yeah, I think so. I think I initially thought it was going to be like
0: six episodes or something and it ended up being nine something like that. But I definitely like argued with myself and I think I even discussed it with some of y'all to get y'all's opinion on whether we should fast travel to Somar or actually do it. And I think a lot of y'all's opinions were let's try it out. And then it kind of swayed me.
1: I like the travel aspect just because uh, you've been doing a lot of school challenges with that. And I've been enjoying those. At first, I was hesitant because I didn't know what the fuck we were doing. But I feel like I'm more comfortable with skill challenges and have more fun with them.
0: Yeah, the wagon chase skill challenge and the, with the gnolls. Yes. I so loved that I found yeah, that the was note great.
1: that I made about Doris. <laughs> uh, skill challenge. We're attempting to get through a group of gnolls that are shooting our wagon. We see Ezra at the bottom of a spike pit and save him. We make it out of the South Carlin forest. Doris is pretty hurt and nobody notices. <laughs> <laughs> Brownie face, and then after that, Ezra's bad off, but getting healed, as well as the horses and wagon. Kurgle is fine, lol. Because <laughs> we totally forgot she was there. <laughs> oh
2: yeah, oh that is right. Yeah, but yeah, I would say, like if we had done like actual travel at any other point in the campaign, I would have been like, let's just get on up there.
0: <laughs> All right, so ignorance was bliss. Uh, We didn't actually have any questions submitted about this one, so I added two here. And then we can just do some general discussion if you'd like to tell me what you like. Didn't like about the ARC, but this is whenever you arrive at the Universal Library. And this was the first time at the Universal Library for some of you. And it was a revisit for some of you from previous non-recorded campaigns. How did that feel for some of you?
5: I was very much looking forward to us getting to the library ever since we started the Four Orders, because I was like, the world needs to know. Uh, Because I've been a part of at least one to two campaigns with you where we get there, and I don't think I've ever been like the guy. And so it was also really cool to be the guy that has to make like the steps this time, because there's been some pretty gnarly things that happen in that darkness when you're trying to reach whatever the goal is. Um.
0: Yeah, back when I was a grimdark and you stepped on a baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just about to say that. I yep.
5: was
6: going to mention
3: how there were babies <laughs>
6: in
0: the darkness before. Yeah, old grimdark Dave. I think mean, that shit was epic. <laughs> how was that for some of you? People that have visited before and then
4: some that haven't? It was fun. It, was, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun.
0: <laughs> was it as bad as the last times?
2: <laughs> no. But, I mean, look, me and that library have a, a troubled past, okay? <laughs> I've been there uh, multiple times, three, four, maybe, every iteration that it's existed I've been in, I think. Uh, but it was, in all seriousness, it was uh, fun to revisit. I think it was definitely worth, like, it, it it deserved to be in the podcast. It's so, like, prominent in, in Four Orbs history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was nice to, to revisit it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And um, the end of the library, which we'll get to at some point, I'm sure, yeah, is... One of my favorite parts of four orbs, like campaigns that we played. Yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Um, do you mean the corridor or the fight? I guess the whole thing, really. Like the
0: Because I am going to mention the corridor right now. The corridor that led to the blue orb was the very first dungeon crawl I have ever done in Dungeons & Dragons. It was when I was a player for the first time before I was ever a DM. And it was with Jake Gordon and you, Steven. I don't know if you remember it. But that whole like invisible beam across a pit mm-hmm. and the eye, eye above ball. the door and then the darkness to a goal was all Jake Gordon.
2: <laughs> oh, really? Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I would wow, it, it was just that. me
0: and you playing it too at his kitchen table at like when we were 15 years old or something. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thanks Jake Gordon for uh, giving me that to share with the world.
4: It was, it was fun to go back through that sequence because, you know, we have played that. A few times, I think you've included that little sequence in each one. Yeah, it, it was fun to kind of approach it from a okay. I I know the solution to this. How do I not ruin this puzzle? <laughs> mm-hmm. how, how do I tap into like what what does my character know?
0: What would they know? And Astro, Deidre, that was your first time in the library. I know that. Yes. Was it as terrible as they made it sound?
1: <laughs> I mean. What was so terrible about it <laughs> besides, you know, showing up and finding Velmere?
2: I mean, nothing in this instance, but in past <laughs> instances, it was, there were some terrible moments. Like there was one time when I remember the, the beam, the invisible beam with the pit. We spent like hours there because we just couldn't. <laughs> get across like we kept falling yeah
1: oh, so that was from a previous campaign yeah. oh
2: yeah oh. <laughs> and then the whole thing to like when we got to the darkness like yeah like legit like instead of seeing your worst fear it was just like you step on dead babies and kill them <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a lot darker it was yeah. just as dark yeah. as dave could get <laughs> <laughs>
5: like, i think a, a,
6: baby, a baby like melted in my arms or something oh at God. one yeah. point
2: like, it was much more grotesque. It wasn't
6: all just babies. <laughs> all right, what else, what else happened, Dave? What else happened? I remember babies. I don't remember. And, and every, look, it might not have been all babies, but every instance had babies yeah. <laughs> to be experienced in some horrible way.
0: Old teenage Grim Dark Day.
2: Dee's <laughs> shaking her head. <laughs> so, yeah, th- those are our memories of the Universal Library. This was a very tame instance. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they they also tried to go through the red door, the green door, the blue door, and the black door, and the red door killed somebody. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. gonna say
5: there's still a lot of unopened doors. It'd be cool to and see then, one day. Yeah, People. we didn't
0: have to do those this time, so uh, we will definitely revisit them at some point. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, that should be campaign two, just Grim Dark Dave a <laughs> 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 whole resurgence.
0: There is a campaign that uh, could potential ha- potentially happen uh, that is like probably like campaign three or four from now. And it will probably be pretty grimdark. Right? Which means it probably won't get recorded because I don't want to put that out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Patreon yeah. exclusive Yeah, there podcast. you go. why there you go. he
1: never mentioned the babies <laughs> on the podcast. I didn't...
0: Dave has grown up. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
6: you know what, babies? Not so bad. <laughs> you know, I don't really hate babies so much.
5: <laughs> Um, I guess before we move on, to the, the Collector was cool. It, it was good to to see it out in the world and not just in the back of a cutscene. That, yeah. that was oh, a, yeah. neat, a nice little Easter egg to happen upon. Yeah,
0: that was a good fight, too. Yeah. And you can all thank Lucas Duff of Ballad of the Seven Dice slash Rise of Nihar Lathotep for that one. Hey. All right. Is there anything else you all want to say about Ignatius Bliss before we move on? Wasn't there like a
4: Kristoff's grave or something <laughs> up there? Yeah, it got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
5: yeah. I yeah. Saw it for like two
6: seconds. And then After
4: he the, the, yeah, the temple to Kristoff that was yeah. up there
0: with his fucking sarcophagus. Yeah, the sarcophagus got probably thrown off the side of the mountain, and now his very ancient, decayed body is just in the rocks. So. <laughs> <laughs> that,
6: that would be a cool cutscene. <laughs> there are some explorers, and they just find this dead body, and there's no explanation about who it is unless they listen to this. It's Kristoff, by the way. <laughs>
0: All right, so next is A Finch Out of Water and Four Dwarves Down. Uh, This was time jumping and visiting locations not visited in the campaign. New characters for each time jump for the crew. How much fun was it to stretch your role-playing wings for all these new characters for this
4: arc? It was a lot of fun. Yep, you know I love that
1: shit. I only regret that we couldn't play them longer because I had so many things planned for all of my characters, (laughs) storytelling-wise, and also there were a lot of cool spells that I acquired that I did not get to use.
6: I will say that playing the characters was fun. Building the characters was less and less fun as it went on. Yeah, I
0: had a feeling you felt that way because in the fourth one, you with with Gert, you just didn't choose a subclass I for did the not yeah, <laughs> you
2: Did not finish that character at
3: all.
1: <laughs> Whereas I got way too into it and spent hours. But that's the thing with It's
6: like you spend so much time perfecting this build and like getting this character together, and getting this personality you know they're only going to be around for, like, a session. Yeah. And I'm like, man, fucking, I put so much thought into Doroth. I can't make another Doroth-level character for two episodes. I'm not doing it.
2: I
4: just enjoy making characters. So, I I mean, I do that shit just because. So, I I love it. Yeah, for me personally, I liked um, being able to play something that wasn't a barbarian. Because that's all I've ever played. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a, what? Eight years for you? Probably, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And also just the trying to come up with like crazy different characters compared to Keth and then even compared to each other. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Were you jealous, Finch, Matt? It,
5: it was a lot of fun coming in at the beginning of each new little you know cut scene or whatever and seeing who i was going to be playing with having like <laughs> hearing them get introduced and shit you know like uh, it was definitely i had a great time
0: were you jealous of them playing other characters though? no
5: because you know that <laughs> shit would just stress me out trying to make a new character sheet i can barely keep up with myself
6: <laughs> you know what i just realized saying that about gert and how like i didn't care whatever i didn't finish that character and all that there was more character development in gert <laughs> <laughs> than oh, yeah. any of the That's other ones absolutely <laughs> that shit just fell into my lap i was like we're going with
3: it
0: um so out of all the side characters you each played over the finch of out of water finch out of water arc which was your favorite and why
6: dude i loved playing habibi sinclair cuz he was fucking ridiculous he could buff his teammates by cowering fear. <laughs>
0: that was good. <laughs> Do you put him over Gert.
6: The best versus my favorite are two different. Like Habibi is my favorite. Gert was hands down the best. <laughs> <laughs> no nah, man, it was just fun playing him because I would be looking at his uh abilities like on his character sheet, like how can I use this in a way to because what kind of character or uh, beast was he? He was like a oh uh, uh, like
2: bl- is it the race? Yeah. He was a kobold, right?
6: A, the kobold. If you look at what their abilities are and what they can do, it's not great. <laughs> like, you have to have other people around for any of that to matter. So I was like, that was the one I put the most thought into, I'll say. So it was my favorite. But Gert just like fucking John Belushi. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a tough one.
1: All of my favorites are going to be every single one of. Ryan Tomlinson's character. <laughs> yeah, Well,
0: I mean, the question, I think, is directed at what's your favorite of your side characters. I know,
1: but I did love every single one of his <laughs> characters.
5: Chardar. Chardar is my favorite. <laughs>
2: yeah, down.
0: dude.
2: I think I liked, this is just like for a personal anecdotal reason, but Rolasi was my favorite because I made him for a different game for a one-shot <laughs> <laughs> And I got betrayed so hard and didn't get to do anything that I wanted to do with that character. And I was like, you know what? I'm bringing him back. <laughs> and he's getting cemented in four orbs, history, and lore. What's funny about that
0: specific time jump is that both Ryans actually brought back old characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Fanella was an old character of Ryans and Rolassie was an old character of Ryans. Mm-hmm. So Relossi was your favorite to play or overall
2: just favorite? My favorite to play. Yeah. Just because I got to actually do what I designed that character to do, which I did not get to do in the other one shot. Yeah. I made him For
6: we are not about to besmirch, besmirch the name of Lil' Clem right yeah, now. <laughs> <was> <laughs> Lil was is yeah. yeah. Little Clem
5: was
2: legit. Kind of- I mean, Little Clem was the most fun to play. <laughs> I, I will say.
5: I love Wild of the Wise too. I think you totally killed it as Wise. <laughs> yeah. Wilder, Wilder was. Aaron great. and I were listening to that one, and I was like, "Damn, you fucking like your your voice and everything was just perfect with her." Thanks.
1: Yeah, I think that was the one voice that I semi sub like committed to, or at least, like, remembered what I was going for each time.
4: I thought you did pretty good with the uh, tabaxi voice. Yeah, Uh,
2: shadow.
1: Shadow. Yeah. It was just a lower, slower version. (laughs) (laughs) Like, parcel tongue. Yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy uh, playing Reyna, though, a lot, because playing, like, against each other was interesting.
0: I was very proud of you in that time jump playing Reina against basically the whole table. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that was a tough scenario for sure.
1: So I think that was my favorite just because it was kind of a challenge to like role play and also decide like how we're going to make this work as companions.
0: Because PVP is, Mm -hmm. is, it can go bad real quickly at table.
6: And just so we're clear,
1: everybody, there was
6: no choreography. There was no like, I'll do this and then you (laughs) use this attack. And then like, no, we were straight up trying to kill each other. Yeah.
2: It's like, well, I, I, my character still views you as an enemy, so gonna, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm going to attack you.
4: My whole thing was just trying to like grapple her so we could get the keys <laughs> and be like, oh, I don't think you're so bad after all. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: like we know where we need to get out of game to make this not an issue, but getting there in game is like, all right, well, let me, oh, another target. Thank <laughs> oh, <God."> right. <laughs>
4: uh, I think, man, it's tough. For me personally, between uh, Twizzlewix and yeah, Oscar, right? Twizzlewix was the most fun to play, like role play. Uh, just that character, uh, the voice that I did, I had a lot of fun doing. I, w- I wasn't super into the Artificer class as much as I thought I would be. Yeah, I was wondering how you felt about Artificer because I know you brought up the thought that if we did a second campaign, that might be the class you go with. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't so... I, I thought that it would be a lot of fun creating like these little mechanical ways to cast spells, but it ended up being a lot more work than yeah. I expected, and it did translate as well as I wanted it to. So from a role play standpoint, I would definitely say Tools of Wix. Uh, I have a soft spot for Ufgar, though, because going back to the Uh, previous campaigns we've had we did another dwarf dwarf through time yeah i
5: I have a note about that i definitely like the image of the twizzle sticks uh his little cannon gun going end (laughs) over end over end (laughs) trying to make its way down to us in combat yeah
0: so the notes i have about the the ufgar situation so dwarves are hinted at in the podcast trailer for you listeners uh you should definitely go back and listen because that's why Radam was say Radams was saying. He said it. He said the line. <laughs> yeah. mm. And uh, the line is: take uh, him to the mountain, and then we kill yeah. him, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll take him to the top of the mountain, and then we'll kill him.
2: Yeah, um, which is also a uh, a callback to uh, a previous iteration of Four Orbs.
4: Yep. Right. And the last time that we, I don't, well, it probably wasn't the last time. The time that we did do that, I made a Dwarven character named Ufgar the Red. And uh, yeah, I think that was 15 years ago. Probably yeah, I remember was. it
2: was at Tyler Levins' house.
3: Yes. That's, oh that says anyway. And, drop.
0: <laughs> and we, so for you listeners sake, you all know that we've been doing this for many, many years. And um, we did this whole time jumping thing at least over a decade ago, a minimum over a decade ago. And that time we did it, it probably took 20 to 30 weekly sessions to get through it. And then this time it only took us 10 sessions. But the, the nasty thing I did, because it was the first time it ever happened, was the person that was doing the time jumping, I copied his character sheet and saved it. And then he leveled up like four or five times through the time jumping. And then I gave him his character sheet when he got Back to his original timeline of his level five self, and he was like, "Oh shit!"
2: <laughs> oh, my God. oh ooh, that's that's I forgot about that.
4: <laughs> I actually found the Photoshop picture from fifteen years ago of me sitting at the table, and I just drew like red hair and an eye patch <laughs> and a red beard. <laughs> yeah, it was up for your D Beyond. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I put first we tackled it a mountain, and then we killed him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if uh, you go
0: back to the trailer and listen to it, you will hear that line and it has history and I had to recreate it organically somehow through this process. And then uh, Tom gave us the line. (laughs) All right. So on the dwarves, though. How different were the dwarf personalities that you planned compared to how they ended up being in this family
4: fueled arc? I think that's my favorite part of the dwarven campaign is because I don't think any of that was planned at all. Like we kind of <laughs> we had our characters and like we we knew we were going to be like running a bar or whatever.
1: That's but it. <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. We we're just like I'm going to be the innkeeper. You're going to be the cook. And that was it.
4: And we decided that like outside 15 minutes before we recorded. So, do yeah. y'all
1: realize
6: that Gert didn't have a family when we started the recording? Right. <laughs> yeah. that, that, I just said that. Yeah. And that just became his story.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, whenever I do characters like that, especially for one shots, like, my, I always build, do the build first. Like, mechanically, I'm like, ooh, I want to do this. I think this would work cool together. I want to, you know, all that. And then I'll try to like like shoehorn it into whatever the situation we're given is. So like I came to the table like, ooh, I, well, I wanna be, I wanna see how I could do mounted combat. And I'm like, well, I don't want to ride a horse. So let me just be a small dwarf. And I'm like, well, if I'm a small dwarf, like how maybe I can be like a child or some shit. And I want to ride a dog because that's a medium creature or whatever. It's like and, and then I, I always use a name generator to figure out my names. And Cave Shoulder came up, and I'm like, okay, I guess they just found me in a cave or something. <laughs> so I'm going to assume they're all my family, and 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 that's essentially all I had. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to be small, I would be like little, it's not a little Clem. Little Clem. <laughs> no, like we were like talking a, about
6: Little Kim outside. <laughs> and I was like,
2: you know, that kind of sounds like Little Kim. And then she's got a famous song that has the word crush in it, so big crush it yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's pr- pretty much how I come up with characters. <laughs> But that's all I had when I got to the table. Everything that happened at the table was very organic and very fitting. I feel like
6: that's like the meme of Charlie from "It's Always Sunny at the Court Board." Just like, <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I will say that I was, I was excited to play of the Wise, but also very nervous because I've never played a bard. I've never intended to play a bard because I'm not good on the spot and I'm not good at um rhymes,
3: improv, improv.
6: <laughs> uh, whatever you call and
1: that. I, so. Uh, I wanted to be her to be more like philosophical in nature and have like all these woody, thought-provoking things to say, but I never really had time to like come <laughs> up with anything except for the one time where I just kind of like have a run-on sentence about water being thicker than blood, <laughs> <or> <laughs> vice versa, what the fuck ever. Can't that was like again. my yeah. one moment. It was all perfect as a dwarf. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also had to be dumb because I'm a dwarf. So I'm like, how do I do like I will say that was the one character that I was excited to play, but was kind of harder for me to be a bard and a dwarf and kind of have those two mingle. So yeah, props to you for being a bard. Yeah. <laughs> oh thank yeah. I don't you. know how you do that shit.
6: Dude, it's fun. Dude, when I when I saw Bob do it, he played a he played a bard a long time ago in a game. I forget whose house we were at and I also forget the bar's name but the rhymes he would come mm. up with were so like like the whole table would laugh every time.
2: Was that Des Bryant? Yes.
6: Dez yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bryant.
4: Oh, He's a football player. He's a famous uh, he NFL would... player. Well
3: that's why. If he
6: was doing like whole person or whatever he'd be like zippity boobap you ain't gonna do that. <laughs> I <was> like what? <laughs> but I don't know.
0: for the record listeners the time that is between dorith saying those things is not like a huge gap radams really does pull that shit off in like 10 seconds or less
6: yeah there's two takes max maybe (laughs) yeah there's
0: like no dead time you're like i'm gonna cast
2: this and then it's like then you just say the rhyme
6: (laughs) i think i've written it down once because i knew i was gonna do it like like I had just had to turn and I had to get way through the whole table and I was like, I'm going to do this. Hold on. Let me not forget the damn <laughs> verse. And I like wrote it down. I think
1: that happened one time.
0: The next question. What era in the Finch Out of Water arc do each of you want to explore more?
1: Um, I was definitely interested in the first episode with the um, Forlorian Desert mm-hmm. because I thought that we were going to get to like some remains of from the giants since that was kind of a big discussion. Yeah. So, I thought that's what we were going to be, like, getting into there, so. You mean remains like skeletons? No, I mean, like, just finding the lost city, basically, and exploring it.
0: Uh, The temple where you did end up finding the red orb was a crypt of giants and that's why the doors were so big and the statues were so big and the cubes that you had to put in the side were like so big because they were probably handheld to the giants which for Mm y'all they were
1: yeah i didn't actually think about any of that (laughs) (laughs) it did not process in my mind at all
0: so yeah everything was oversized because that was a remnant of giant structures
1: gotcha that makes sense so if we would have you know stayed longer that maybe could have happened. More <laughs> dungeon delving. Hmm. Speaking hmm. of that,
6: I would love to know what happened to the remaining dwarves after Finch disappeared. <laughs> like, did they ever make it back home? Little off What Ufgar? Let's pray. When people ask them what happened, what are they going to say? That's
2: such a good note to end on, though, on that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what... We we never, none of the dwarves said nothing when the devil ram came. It's like, oh, he <laughs> yeah. just take him. If we were to go back and it's like, oh, well, a big bird took him.
4: <laughs> they'd, be like, they'd be like,
2: oh,
6: all right, okay. I love Finch's reaction to when the devil ram came and left. him was like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's
1: it? Oh,
2: yeah. That's just what
1: happens. People are going to be like, oh, there's a devil bird now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Another so oh, and we would have put a crazy religious banana, too, like a new <laughs> yeah. child of a fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> we can't kill this one or a bigger one. Even bigger ones are going to come next time.
0: All right. So D was interested in the desert. Any other favored
2: eras? Uh, yeah, mine uh, by far would be the Bantrix Bantrix Keep. Yeah. Because not even just for that particular scenario, but that era in time, like right after the equilibrium when people are adjusting. Yeah. Like that. That whole concept is really interesting to me.
1: Yeah. Uh, now that you say that, I kind of forgot about that. I would also like to explore that more because you all played with Bantrick once upon a time, <laughs> and oh, I, yes. I, I like I knew nothing going into it. And Dave kind of really had to like lay it on me, like what's actually going on, so that I, as you know, a mm-hmm. prison guard, would have yeah another, some another... kind of judgment on how I live.
2: Yeah. Another another four orbs. Uh, past campaign callback. Although it was very, it was a lot different than the original.
0: Well, yeah. So the original, like not recorded version, is way after that era. So I want to mm-hmm. say it was like yeah. year seven or eight.
6: Whenever man, he's like undead or something. Then right.
2: Yeah, he's a. Uh, it was this. It was in the seven hundreds when it happened in the one thirty
0: seven. Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, we're so, in the seven hundreds. Yeah.
0: So one thirty seven. Gear is, I think, what it is, and basically, Bantrick is in that scenario was a lich, probably. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly. He was undead and he had like a witch coven, yeah, like, worshiping and, him. Yeah, and oh, was, that was oh, creepy
6: yeah. as fuck. Yeah, I forgot I about that. that, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, I that will probably come up again at some point, and we do have the Cadius Journal, but we're just gonna say, you know, y'all don't read it and say exactly what it is, but. The scenario is that if y'all would have killed Bantrick, he would have become a lich or a wraith or something like that. And if he survived, then the way he survives with immortality is vampirism. So now uh, that he survived, the next time we revisit the Bantrick keep, it will be filled with vampires.
6: So real quick, I just want to add. Right, Tom, just pointed out the the witch coven he had. There's a scene in <laughs> the last campaign that wasn't recorded that had Bantric in it. We're running through the keep and we're going across like a bridge, I think. And if you look down, you can see like the lower levels of in the room. You can see through the roof of the room for some reason. There's just a bunch of witches staring <laughs> up at us. <laughs> and it was the creepiest shit. To, like, like, roll a perception check and notice. <laughs> uh,
0: also, the sword that Bantric had in the recorded version is the sword mm-hmm. that eventually uh, becomes notable to that whole campaign. Yeah, I, I picked up on that one.
2: So, yeah, that's my, well, that's the era I would like to revisit. Like I said, mainly for just that era in time. The yeah. Bantric thing is great for nostalgia's sake and it's a good, good dungeon and concept. But that era, like, right after the equilibrium, I think would be... There'd be a lot of shit happening in Asus yeah. that people were uh, dealing with.
0: The missing links episode that Diana wrote from the multi-class theater podcast with the Rodana mm-hmm. prison that was Loran. Yeah, that's a year or so after the equilibrium, which right. is why it kind of all a little chaotic. Uh, so, right, Tom's is the Bantrick era. Anybody else got any favorites? It's definitely between the two of those.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean the I feel like the um, rock top or whatever. <laughs> I was wondering Whatever if anyone fuck. was going to
0: be
4: curious about that one. Um, I am. Curious well, to know what happened.
1: Well, I feel like we just kind of, like, you gave us, like, permission to kind of just make shit up since we all lived there. Yeah. To kind of be creative in a storytelling sense. Like, I guess little Clem being like, oh, yeah, you know, the fucking cave blacksmith and the cave. Like, mm. it was kind of, like, up to us to kind of create the world, so... I feel like there wasn't much to explore in that, unless you had more to it. There is one small detail. <laughs> well, <laughs> the darkness.
2: The fact that we were in Calandria, which is not in Mithron, and we were covered in darkness. So there's no like documentation that we're aware of that that happened in like our current. So and we lot. don't
5: know what time frame that world is in, which is also interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't know at, what at, at least here. two. <laughs> nor was there
6: anyone <laughs> that could tell you. Yes.
5: the, the yeah. concept of it kind of almost being like islands in the sky was kind of neat, too. I was definitely, I don't know. I really liked them all because I like that one. I thought the Elvish world was felt very magical and just like foresty and like, oh shit, I forgot about that episode. Toenails and stuff, but also like the future, like (laughs) the the future Dune world was really cool too with the sand dunglers and the fucking sand ship. Like (laughs) there's a lot of cool stuff. It's hard to really pick.
0: Yeah, it's sad to me that the weakest of the arcs was the Elf one because.
1: Yeah, I totally, literally, totally forgot about that episode.
0: Yeah, and I probably designed it poorly. I don't know like how exactly why it exactly poor, but I I wasn't very proud of what I did from a module design adventure stake.
5: It was good for Finch cuz it was the one arc where he didn't leave everyone to die. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly why when it got to the, that well, last one with the dwarves, I was like, I need to do better because like I realize what's happening now and what I'm doing. I was like, I, for the family. And then they fucking turned on me. <laughs>
0: you say you don't leave them to die, but. You did leave yeah. us to die.
5: <laughs> I don't even remember. Oh, on that one too? I- yeah. <laughs> yeah. well we were all I don't know the way I left that when it felt like we were all okay and I was like okay I'll, I'll see everybody later Steven's
0: character died
5: <laughs> yeah he actually died <laughs> we're talking yeah. about the elf one yeah.
0: yeah he turned into an ape and he, the tree was falling over and the tree fell on the ape well that happened
5: after uh, we, yeah, because... peace and serenity before I grabbed the orb and yeah, left we so were I all... didn't know about that at least
0: <laughs> we were all cool with you and
2: then we you jumped and grabbed the orb and then the tree came alive and we had to fight it oh
3: yeah
2: and, you, and we got
5: That's... fucked up that's the one period of time where Finch feels like he succeeded. <laughs> yeah, I think
0: I think for the non-Patreon-supporting listeners, I think only the Patreon people got the combat.
3: Yeah. So the uh, listeners
0: probably feel a lot like you that don't pay for uh-huh. it. But the paid Patreon supporters know
5: <laughs> that Steven's character Yeah, Yeah,
0: the first one the, in, with
2: the sand dunglers, you stole the treasure. The first one I don't feel guilty
5: about, because that was me trying to roleplay and be like, I'm Finch, I see an orb, I need to get the orb, and then I the got se- the orb. And then I, the- I didn't even just like I didn't even think it was gonna take me out of there. It was my first time too. I didn't realize I was gonna be like a portal thing. I thought I was gonna <laughs> grab it and then hope you guys fight or something like. Yes, I wasn't trying to run away.
2: From the perspective of everyone you encountered in the time travel, you're a traitor and a
3: whole <laughs>
6: how do you how do you commit this series of moral crimes and then come out the other side this jesus figure like everybody that you screwed over is like, you're like fuck
3: that dude <laughs> literally everyone
5: let me just go ahead and start from the beginning here because the first one was was just like you know with the instinct and mistake i didn't realize it was going to take me away from you i thought i was going to be able to fight i just wanted to secure the orb the second one was was that the elves? Yeah. And so the elves I thought we we had accomplished everything peacefully and I was like okay this is perfect like I don't have to like you guys are be fine like I shook her hands and I wanted to give someone like a PEDEC thing and then and then I grabbed you over <laughs> and I was out of there I didn't know. And then and then the third one uh, well that that one I probably should have known a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> we, I will say all... the prison break is a little bit more on me. In the fourth one, the dwarves, I really wanted to stay there until the end to try and atone for my sin. But fucking little Clem wasn't having it. Well,
2: you killed his family.
5: I tried everything I could to not kill your family. Well. And to be a part of it.
6: Two members of his family got thrown off a cliff
5: by a big ass
2: bird. And
6: that's all your fault.
2: Look, I'm not doubting your intentions. All I'm saying is from the perspective of everyone you encountered. You were the bad guy pretty much every time. Uh.
1: So my question for Dave the DM is if we would have stayed in the library and gone to uh, a certain section, would would we have found multiple accounts of a man named Finch just fucking terrorizing (laughs) people throughout history? It's like the fucking Old Guard movie that me and my dad watched <laughs> while he was here. Like,
2: oh yeah, I need to have little Clem write a book.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Jumping through time,
1: man. Yeah, I mean, probably
0: the elves probably wrote something up. It would have been pre-Twizzlewicks, though, so uh, they probably wouldn't have wrote anything up. And then the prisoners... Are... Vanilla might have wrote in, a, in her yeah. diary. <laughs> like, yeah. it was that really... diary
6: might actually be in the <laughs> fucking library.
1: It was really um, like a moment for me and it all clicked once we, you know, read the letter that Finch was, you know, being summoned for trial. I was like, well, he just, you know, fucking time jumped like are there accounts of this and did somebody in the crimson command piece it together with the mm-hmm. fucking red dots you know red oh, string yeah. that Is it the same this finch master scout of oasis air quotes has been just terrorizing people for centuries.
5: (laughs) Yeah, no, I've definitely tried to come to terms lately as we get closer and closer. Like, I I don't think I can end this the hero
3: (laughs)
6: anymore. (laughs) You know what? That right there that you just said, D, would be my favorite like, storyline slash headcanon. If like, someone that we've never heard of or has no business with us that we know of just shows up and just has the biggest vendetta for (laughs) (laughs) Finch, And he's just like, I've been following you <laughs> and for
1: hundreds of thousands of years <laughs> and I
6: finally got you. And you're like, who the fuck are you?
1: And we find out in the end, just the very end of four orbs, that the unbalance was Finch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, His very existence.
6: The fact that he tries is the worst thing in the world.
0: <laughs> Last question for a Finch out of water and four dwarves. Deidre, it's for you and this is from a listener i have certainly noticed Deidra's confidence increasing and she seems to have found her voice within the game especially with all the various characters she played during the finch of out of water finch out of water arc Deidra, how do you feel about the game now compared to the very first few episodes of four orbs way back in the swamp and why
1: um so uh astra was my first like real DD character And so I felt a lot of pressure (laughs) in that. But also I kind of had to just make her like based on my own personal self and my to have like the same beliefs, uh, morals and that kind of shit, just so it would be easier for me to get into a character in the beginning. And I definitely think that trying out so many different characters, classes, uh, playing styles over a finch out of water was Fun for me, because it didn't put so much pressure, because I knew it wasn't going to last (laughs) very long, even (laughs) though I did spend a lot of time making my characters. So I felt like I could, you know, fuck up more or, you know, really get into it. And coming back to Astra after all of that, I actually had, you know, to kind of look at my character, look at uh, D&D Beyond to like, look at my class again to remember what all I could do. And I think that actually helped prepare me for the big bad battle yeah. in the finale Um, because I was like, I haven't fucking used sorcery points to do anything in a while. Like, shit, I need to be doing that. Like, I'm a wild magic sorcerer. Why haven't I been doing that more? So um, getting away from Astro for a while and then coming back was kind of made the finale like a better moment for me.
0: Do you feel like uh, it's probably helped your mechanic- play more than just the role playing sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think definitely playing different, a lot of different classes over Finch Out of Water helped me understand D&D more just as far as game mechanic goes and realizing what I can do with my character.
3: Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Uh, that's my last question for Finch Out of Water. So we'll move on to the final fight with Velmir. First... Can I toot my own horn here for a second, please? (laughs) Do it. So one that combat, I'm really proud of that design, showing off Finch's new setup by putting him completely alone. Yeah, that was great. Velmir, I thought was just perfect.
2: Yeah, you did that, and I was like, okay, I know exactly what he's doing.
0: (laughs) And then the close quarters fight in the corridor uh, led to some really, really intense moments. And then the length of the chamber was just perfect enough for daylight and wall of light to not uh, affect their situation. Yeah. yeah. And then the frenzying shadow assassins, as like, it, it kind of gave me like a 28 days later vibe. Mm-hmm. Like With, just
5: climbing over each other and shit. Yes.
0: Like. I, I was really proud of that whole fight, that whole scenario. Yeah, I got a fucking Game of Thrones hard home. Oh, of,
5: yeah. That's vibes. a good one. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Uh, but also wanted to mention this. Don't know if anyone really noticed it at all, but the musical cue of, of Finch explaining his new description and the the reading of the letter, it was all the same music, and it was the music that Kristoff gave his speech to in The Equilibrium, so it was all about guardians and one, the law. And so like the reveal of Finch and his description was just a part of the song. I don't think it was the end of the song. I think it was the first half of the song. And then the end, when the letter was being read by Dorothy, the whole song played for the perfect sync of the entire re- like letter read. So I was, uh, I was really proud of that musical cue. Um, it was kind of the hint at the law's absolute thing and leading to the Crimson Court trial and blah, blah, blah. Before I get to the two submitted questions regarding this fight, I'll open the floor for any general discussion and ask, how was the fight for you? Did the stakes seem high? How was playing that session versus hearing it?
4: Yeah, stakes stakes were pretty high, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot of fun. I liked, um, I mean, basically for a lot of the reasons that you just kind of went over separating um, Finch from the rest of us and kind of letting him shine over there with his new abilities. And I liked uh, the, the corridor situation because it did lead to some cool kind of teamwork, I guess, uh, team up, team up, uh, like the lightning bolt. Uh, I, th- I think it was a lightning bolt where I lined them up for you. Oh, yeah, the wall. The wall, the wall of light, light. that's yeah. what it was. That sort of thing I thought was, was cool.
2: Yeah, I, it, like you said, it was a very well-designed combat. Just the whole scenario, the, the way the, the combat map was designed was good. It was, the difficulty of it was good. Like it, because I was over here like, fuck. What am I supposed to do? Like, if I do something <laughs> wrong, one of us might die. So th- that that situation is, I like being put in that situation to where like I feel like it
5: is a life or death sort of combat. Mm-hmm. It was all quite nerve wracking for me. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, I said even when we were before we started recording that I was nervous, and uh, that hasn't happened in a long time. <clears throat> um, I've never played a paladin before, and uh, it was quite obvious once we started that I was going to be fighting as a paladin on my own. <laughs> it's, it's the bad guy. <laughs> and so that was definitely a little nervous. But it, once we got into it, it was very exciting and cool to see everything like happen and the smites and their corridor, and just it, it all panned out really awesome. And you know, you got to love. Anytime that that watch is used, you
0: just got to love. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on that one. Um.
6: <laughs> Velmer's plans thwarted by a powerless little gnome again.
5: Dude, you know what? I love that shit, too. He was like, when I killed you. I was like, and I, Dorth, killed you. <laughs> and then we fucking started. And then you saved the day again.
6: <laughs> well, I had a part in saving the day this time the last time he straight up landed the blow which (laughs) was fucking crazy
0: and then these questions were directed at me but feel free to step in with how y'all feel about my answers we can discuss each of them uh, because i don't want to just talk ask say the question and then answer it and then move forward but um what was your plan if velmir got away with the book I think if you get some practice in as a DM, you know never to really have a plan in regards to things like that. Ryan, Tomlinson, and Steven probably know because they also DM side games. But in this specific instance, I had definitely no direct plan. Uh, Vorin wants to book back, so he's going to try and get it however he can. So if Velmir would have gotten it, Vorin would have just had the book for me to tinker with in the next act. It's really all there is to it. Yeah, that's
2: why, like the breaks in sessions, when you decide when you're going to end it, like that's usually when you, for me at least, like you don't plan on what's going to happen after that because there's multiple options that can happen. I mean, we had a little bit of discussion after the combat, but the effects of if Vo- or Velmir had gotten the book or not would not have been apparent right then. Yeah, you know. So now you have x amount of days, weeks, however long until your next session to figure out the repercussions of what happened
0: and would that have extended the campaign at all? Or are you prepared for the PCs to lose? Simply put, no, him getting the book back or not would not have extended the campaign in any way, shape or form. Act five will be the final act of this campaign. It could be a long act. It could be a short one. It all depends on the player's actions. But I don't think there's much for me to put in front of them at this point uh, to pull them astray from the, from the main quest. We're, we're really pushing towards the end at this point, I think. And Vorn needs to be dealt with in this campaign one way or the other. Whether succeed or fail for you, it's Vorin has to be handled. And Vorn is the climax we're building to. I mean, yeah, if,
2: uh, if they had gotten the book, it the the finale may be much more difficult for us, <laughs> but uh, I don't think it would have extended it
0: Yeah, you know, by any means. It
2: just means we got to work that much harder. And
0: in regard to being prepared for the PCs to lose, I'm never prepared for that other than domestic narration, <laughs> but uh, I am willing to let it happen. TPKs, total party kills for you non-D&Ders that listen to us, they can't happen. And this is still, at the root of all things, a game. Luck has a big part of this to keep us on the edge of our seat and not know what's going to happen next. I told them in the very beginning, it is very possible for them to die. And I can tell you right now, if those shadow assassins would have had another turn with Keth unconscious, he would have not survived. I would have Kudagra'ed him very fast. (laughs) Thanks for them heels. (laughs) That's how it goes. (laughs) Because I think a lot of times people don't realize that like, Your enemies are smart, like they're not dumb and you going unconscious does not mean you're dead. Like it's just, it can easily stab you as they move forward to the next person. So there's no reason for them to not take whatever weapon they have, whatever attack they have and just finish you off. All right. So big moments aside, do you regret giving Dorith the watch? Not in any way, shape or form. Do I regret giving him that watch? Yes, it is a very powerful item, but that's one thing I love about this table is I trust all of you as players and your role-playing abilities. If he uses the watch, you know that that reversal happened out a character, but you don't know in-game. I trust y'all to figure it out, and I think the wisdom checks have been making that work and not work, and making the actions happen based on, you know making your decisions based on those, what you know.
1: Some bad's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I would
5: say, and even as you just said too, like we know like, especially no one knows more than Doroth, how much that hurts him. Like he's putting him, he, he's putting yeah. himself at risk of dying and not playing with us anymore by using the watch. Yeah,
6: <laughs> with the <laughs> amount of damage that the watch does, I could very possibly die right there. Like the fact that it never kills me is very lucky. <laughs>
5: and that's why it's used so sparsely too. It's maybe the second time, third, second, Tops, third. right? Yeah second so second time,
2: yeah. Twice throughout five years. And both times have been extremely impactful I, and altered the it, course of history.
6: I used it once when I first found it. Yeah, to test so, it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it did that. <laughs> and that's when I knew what the cost was <laughs> to use it. So
0: the next question is was I counting on Dorth to use the watch? And honestly, I forget you have it.
3: All oh, y'all forgot I had it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yep. In that last combat, none of, like, you said, oh, well, I have a way. And everyone was like, what?
2: And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah I, I think I always realize it when you say, like, under your breath or, like, as a side note, <laughs> I know what I can do on my next turn, but is it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it, it's kind of Doris' ultimate ability, I guess. And it's. It, For me as a DM, I'm so focused on like these higher level of combat plays where the enemy's stat blocks are getting like so much more complex that like I don't think about what any of y'all are doing. So I always forget that you have it.
6: Well, there's it's yes, it's powerful, but there's things that make it like very risky as like on top of just the life loss, the fact that they have to roll high enough to even know anything happened. And then, if they do know something happened, what's to stop them from doing the exact same thing they did before, and the same shit happening?
2: Yeah, not to mention there's really no way to plan for that like any 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 one single role in a combat could affect like that potentially being used or
4: not right and th- that uh, using the watch isn't doesn't necessarily mean the outcome is going to be favorable for us. It could be a significantly worse outcome than. What did happen could be worse or just exactly the same,
5: right, and we took a break before that too, and we discussed you know for a little while on whether or not it was worth it, and we sat down unsure what you were going to do It was a big yeah. 50, 50 mm-hmm. debate on is it worth it,
0: which is why that Ross round of that <laughs> that round right before he used it is why we went through each turn because I had to get to Dora's turn for him to use it
6: that just I don't know that. That ring, is, or that that watch, is not as powerful as people think. Just because it has huge ramifications, doesn't mean that like it's a sure like domestic is happening. I'm gonna use the watch, and then like two turns later, domestic happens again,
0: and now like, you're down ten d
2: ten health.
6: Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's a real gamble.
2: Yeah, or even like a scenario to where like if you had been attacked earlier in that combat, and you, instead of having fifty something hit points, you had twelve. Yeah. Like, that would affect your decision-making?
6: I would most likely die if I decided to do it then. It would have to be a a scenario worth risking it.
0: Ooh, that's a question. Would Doroth use it with 12 HP?
6: I think in that scenario, he would have. Oh, interesting. The only scenarios that he uses it are scenarios where he's prepared to die in order for whatever just happened to not happen. Okay.
2: I am curious about that.
6: Otherwise, he wouldn't use it.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
6: If he had 50, if he had 12 like whatever
2: <laughs> yeah or even like well i guess to re repaint that scenario if you had been unconscious it wouldn't have been an option so i guess going back to the question that's not something i think you could just plan for yeah because it's it's so like it's such a wild card to whether it could be useful or not in any given combat you just pretty much have to not think about it when you're designing one
5: well we've definitely shown that we're willing to make the same actions over and over again when he, <laughs> when he turns back time. Like, we're going to roleplay that shit. We're going to roleplay it right.
0: Uh, So, the letter at the very end. How's everyone feeling about that? The
6: call to arrest Finch? Can't just have a happy ending, can you?
5: <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I didn't see it coming, but I should have seen it coming. But I don't know. I, yeah, no, I'm definitely like it sucks. Like, <laughs> like I, I know that Finch isn't perfect, but damn it, if he ain't trying, man. Like he's only trying to help. He's never none of this has been for personal gain, you know. <laughs> like, so yeah, no, it for me, yeah, it was kind of like, oh shit, what? And then fuck me. Sounds like,
6: like a testimony right there. <laughs> 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 Signed, Captain. Hi, Captain.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yep. That one hurt. Yeah. <laughs>
6: Looked up to him.
2: Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> because going back, like I went and thought about it, like it would be, it would be so easy to build a case against you. <laughs> it would be yeah. So easy. We tortured people. We <laughs> tortured people. We have killed people. You killed his son. <laughs> legitimately, straight up, just disobeyed orders. Like it would be so easy to build a case. And you I. Are- I,
5: I-
6: you and only you are now in sole possession of all four orbs. Like, why wouldn't you give that up, bitch? Like, what you planning?
2: I cannot wait to be
0: in this courtroom. I'm a, I, I'm I a cannot rogue cop, wait, man. <laughs> uh, the thing about the court situation is, I'm actually extremely nervous about it because, like, DMing that's going to be hard. Notating every single thing that's happened is also going to be hard. But also, like, what? DD scenario, can you think of where anyone's ever probably like courtroom scenarios in Dungeons and Dragons have to be very minimal? Mm-hmm. Like, there's not they're not happening at tables on a regular basis. No,
5: <laughs> I really want to watch like a bunch of like law movies, I'll like do 12 Angry Men. <laughs> yeah,
0: I've actually been reading like glossary terms and like of like things that are said in uh-huh. the courtroom, and I'm trying to like
6: keep it in mind. Dude, I can't wait to say objection, hearsay, <laughs> <laughs> like, sustained hearsay is my favorite objection. Like who even said that your honor? <laughs> <laughs>
5: I'll
2: defend you best I can Finch. That's I mean yeah, I, no, I
5: I know I done fucked up plenty of times but you know what I also done some good. So Poor Greasel
0: might disagree
2: with
5: me. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't, just don't don't don't
0: say that in the courtroom please. Stop.
1: Hello Mayor is Legal counsel. Like
5: uh, yeah, no. I mean, yeah. No, okay. No, uh,
4: this
3: lawyer cross- your
0: face palming in the background. Know,
5: <laughs> uh, maybe there's no way out for real. Like, uh, God. yeah.
2: This, this cross examination is gonna be difficult. <laughs> thank God. Thank God, I have a week in mind.
5: That's all I can say. All I can hope for is like banishment and like send me to the top of a mountain with the Forbes, and I'll just sit at the top and protect them <laughs> until I die or something
3: like. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Have uh, Pvac be your legal counsel's (laughs) aide from our side. No. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right. So now that we have the orbs, does anyone understand what exactly that means we can do? Or in what way this?
5: We know that I think the enemy knows how to use it to open the book.
0: I actually have a question regarding this, so I'll go (laughs) ahead and
5: ask it. Okay. What do the players, not
0: the characters, think they need to do with the orbs and the Book of Warren to bring balance back to the world?
6: I have no idea. (laughs) Juggle them? like What?
2: I mean, we only have one concrete clue, as far as I'm aware. I'll
0: say that there are two clues as to what to do with the orbs. One of them has happened, and the other one will be the prequel to Act 5.
5: Is the other one the prequel I haven't listened to? (laughs) <laughs> no.
2: The other clue I should be pretty obvious,
0: I feel like. It was your discussion with Heltrone, and I believe the beginning of episode 83. It was your vision and your discussion.
5: And I know that this is uh, totally yeah. wrong, but I've also thought about just like, we will throw one into the chaos portal one at a time. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> send it to the ends of the earth. Like Who knows Like the Dragon where? Ball <laughs> or some shit. Bottom line is I don't know. <laughs>
0: Does anyone else want to talk about what you think should happen?
5: Yeah, Philomir Ryan Tomlinson over here seems to have uh, an idea. Uh, I will
2: uh, abstain from.
5: Oh come on, it's round table, <laughs> dude. We're all just jabbing. From <laughs> saying, <laughs> what am my I supposed theory. to do with these things?
2: You know, the chaos is not a bad idea. Just so chuck them in. <laughs>
5: here we go. Thank you. All right, so we have a leading idea now.
2: <laughs> I mean, think about who was in your vision. The other, the other guy. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Chismism?
0: Yes. <laughs> All right, we'll move forward. Uh, since Dave, me, has mentioned that will this will be the final act of the campaign, what does each player hope to accomplish before the grand finale? I hope to clear
5: Finch's name as a bad guy.
4: <laughs> it's probably a good call. <laughs> does anybody else have any personal goals for their characters? I guess uh, Kess' personal goal has always been to find his blood sister. And I guess at this point it would be to get her to safety first and then find out more about this whole mystic situation. Well, this was an interesting, uh, point of interest for Kath. Can I, can I learn to control it? Can I get rid of it? It can does I... seem like Hakar can control it. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, kind of why I'm delving into Fighter a little bit, um... Maybe not necessarily that specific, but uh, I'm hoping that if we get far enough along, I can go into Rune Knight, which is a uh, kind of giant-based fighter class, and you get to grow big and strong and smash stuff.
0: Hell yeah. Uh,
6: I think that Lorik in By Proxy Gemini showed Dorth the life that he wants and how to achieve it. What life is that? The life that Loric was living, basically where you get to play in front of sold-out crowds and people know who you are okay. and all that shit.
0: Still an entertainer type.
6: Yes, but he realizes how he got to those heights, and it wasn't through talent <laughs> and creativity. <laughs> it was through being a fucking god.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
6: so
0: so is Doroth seeking immortality
6: now? I don't think he cares so much about the immortality part of it. He, I think he more just wants influence in the way that jiminy had that can make people love him okay and just be into his art and all that and uh i know like he was upset uh, kind of upset but like kind of came you know to relate to jiminy when they talked but he was very much like i don't i don't i'm not really picking up what you're putting down with the whole guardian thing but after he left it's been like in his mind like you could have it though.
3: <laughs> you
6: you got to figure out how to talk to him more. So that's that's probably something that's on his mind going forward. Also Yin, everything that happened there. It's like I'd like to go back and continue that. But other than that, that's kind of it.
0: Astra, Velmer.
1: Yeah, um, kind of forgot about Yin and you know the school
3: <laughs> <laughs> that we built. Oh that yeah,
1: cool to revisit. Um, but also, uh, I'm kind of curious about you know being the faded and
0: yeah you seem to have two locations kind of that you have foundations and one being chandelion as the faded and one to the school in yin
1: yeah and i don't really know my responsibilities in regard to the faded and you know felt like my and Rel really needed me there <laughs> so i feel like that's definitely number one on my list to get back to
2: all right yeah, I mean, Felomir just wants to. I mean, ever since the the well that that was his crowning achievement, he still feels that way. And since then, he just wants to help his friends accomplish theirs. You never think about the white orb? No, hm. I still think about the white orb. <laughs> <Out> of, <laughs> out of, uh, well, yeah, I mean, out of game, yes, but I think like I don't know the way events have unfolded. I guess like it's not something that seems important. Like it, it it seems almost selfish for Felomir to think of that. At this point, you know, because like my whole thing from the moment we started this campaign to when we got to Mithron and I sealed the well was doing that. And like you guys just came strangers came and helped me do it. And then now like that's that's what I I gave up immortality to do that. And you helped me with it. So at this point, like also Felomir, you know, he's getting old. He's getting real old. And whether he earns his future immortality or not, like his course of action isn't going to change. He just wants to help
0: return the favor is all he's trying to do. Pay his dues. Pay his dues.
6: (laughs) Pay his (laughs) dues.
0: This wasn't a question that anyone submitted, but I felt like this this question just kind of popped into my mind right now. When the campaign ends, assuming that you're alive, your character is alive, where do you see your character after the campaign settling down doing anything specific
1: i mean somebody did ask where we saw our characters in five years oh yeah they did (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: so uh, i guess i'll go to that one how do you feel about your oh wait no that's that's about the podcast of five years the length of five years of the podcast the question is how do you feel about your characters character five years on as like you've been playing it
2: for five years oh
1: shit yeah has it been five years yep yep it's been
0: over five years at this point
1: we're old okay (laughs) yeah i'd read that wrong yeah
0: so that we'll go back to my question here uh (laughs) after the campaign's over how do you if your character survives where do you see your character yen yeah i got a big mansion so keth's in yen
1: yeah i feel like that's similar to what we just talked about yeah
0: it was a little bit which is kind of what led me to it
1: i
6: would definitely also be in yen all right,
1: so Dorothy,
0: Cuss, and
6: Yen. There's a huge <laughs> statue of me there. Like, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, that would be like Astra's summer house or something and <laughs> Yen, you know, to go visit, you know, check in with Caitlin and the school and all that. Whatever happened to Fasush? She's,
0: She's still there. there? She's okay. still garden. Ovid Lars still there.
1: Yeah, check in with them. Maybe.
6: There's less of him probably, <laughs> Yeah, he's still there.
1: But I think I would definitely stay in Chandolin for the most part.
2: Uh, assuming I wasn't designated to any certain area by Remora with the immortality and all that, I'd probably stay in Yen too if most of my friends were there all right. with uh, occasional long visits to the Universal Library. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to get a
0: teleportation circle
2: there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I got to help rebuild
5: it.
1: Yeah, and he can teach me that so that I can just visit Yen whenever I want to. <laughs>
5: Um I I've kind of got like a few different scenarios that I could envision I think my favorite would be somehow becoming the leader of the Crimson Command and trying to restore some like faith and respect to it. You're gonna overthrow High Captain Gate dude? <laughs> yeah. wow. So I never said I wanted to overthrow him. It I was just the said plan it could happen, possibly. Uh, yeah, if along. he dies
2: of unnatural causes. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I'm not trying to say it's gonna happen after the finale. You He's even son of a bitch. You asked what the future might look like. You even killed Stop his forcing <laughs> me into positions.
6: Look, look, I'll make you even killed his heir. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> the whole bloodline I hate
5: all of you Ga- gates closed I
3: didn't see any of them <laughs>
0: I'm sorry about it. I had to do it yeah, it's fine the, the other option
5: was what I already said which was kind of just being a ranger and going like back and forth just basically just constantly patrolling until the day I die gotcha and then the other one I think is also something I maybe kind of touched on which would be being like a hermit somewhere protecting the orbs if that's how things were to go yeah it's like you
0: still had the orbs
5: yeah
1: all right something fun in that aspect recording wise um, to do after the finale or after the end of the podcast or this campaign would be to do like you know the montage at the end of the movie where they are now and just to have like (laughs) some (laughs) scripted scenes of like where we are
0: I got plans for epilogues and I just got to know who survives. <laughs> oh my
1: God.
2: I would love to, uh, to see a, uh, a, pa- a parody of
0: MTV Cribs with Kath in his mansion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, so, yeah, that does lead to the next question about the five year thing. Uh, how do you feel about your character five years on? After five years of playing this character, how do you feel about it? Still love your character. You wish to change some things.
6: I absolutely adore my character. And always have all through all the criticism and all the you've gotten a lot of criticism. Yes, <laughs> yes I have. It's so weird because like he's one of the most polarizing D and D characters I've ever like, and the fact that I'm playing him is is so odd. Because people will be like, "I turned off the podcast because of this character." Like, th- if this character was not on the podcast, it would be great. And people will say that, <laughs> and then some people will be like. This motherfucker is the funniest thing in this whole... And it's like, no one feels in between. It's odd.
0: I mean, I'll, I'll still say it. Dora's still my favorite character between all five of you. He brings the chaos I need as a
4: DM. He's the nope. spark
5: that ignites the fire. It's yeah. great.
6: He tries to put the fire out a lot.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go well.
4: I still love Kath as much as I did eight years ago. Yeah, it's not five five years other, yeah. you, it's eight years. Yeah. <laughs> when I played Kath the... Former the original yeah. you
5: played a character so good that we needed you to do it twice
4: That <laughs> says something I will say that I, I do wish that I'd multiclassed a little sooner just looking at the stuff that I've gotten for Barbarian versus what I could have gotten for Fighter like as far as build goes uh, as far as like role-playing goes though like I love my character hell yeah
2: yeah, I agree there. Like, role-playing-wise, I probably, I wouldn't be doing much different, if anything. But mechanically, I w- would absolutely be doing stuff differently. Because this is also our first 5th edition Correct. game. Yep. And at the time, the only thing out was the player's handbook. It's, and, like, there there was no Xanathars, no, like, no additional subclasses or anything. So, it's like, I definitely would have multi-classed, probably taken different feats, different blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But apart from that, like, like I said, role-playing-wise, I wouldn't. Be doing anything different?
1: Yeah, on that point, as this being my first major D and D character, I didn't really have expectations as where Astro was going to go, especially five years on. But I feel like starting off sorcerer was a good call for me because it was relatively simple. It helped me learn magic.
0: Yeah, you didn't have to do too much spell maintenance because you don't have to change them every yeah long rest or anything like that.
1: And then multi-classing to cleric was cool, and it kind of made sense story wise as far as being the fated goes. But now I'm kind of leaning in back to my roots of sorcery. I want to level back up in that and kind of find that excitement for sorcery magic again. But yeah, I didn't have any expectations as far as Astra's story, but I feel good about it. I feel like it, it's progressed over four orbs and makes yeah.
0: sense. You've definitely developed a lot as a player. It's very mm-hmm. it's cool seeing that. Like, we were all experienced, so we didn't we didn't have somebody brand new to kind of lean on in the sense of growth in their mechanics and everything, and you've definitely picked up
5: quite a bit over the last five years. Well, um, I definitely didn't see myself becoming the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, look,
6: I, the same trial could be held for any of us. At the
3: she killed oh, a yeah. whole
5: town.
6: Like, you in remember?
5: Yeah. I think in every game I've probably played with you, I always like uh, gravitate towards an archer style. And then I always end up like multiclassing to the point to where I think it hurts me. And so I really wanted to like try and be ranger the whole way that this campaign and until we had the rogue moment. And so, and, I, and I've definitely, I always try to stay away from the religious stuff, all that stuff that's like memorization, all the spells, all that stuff always confused me. So now that I'm like uh, just just a plain old level 10 paladin, I am totally out of my element. <laughs> um, so Venge has landed Totally outside of what I ever expected him to be, but it is. Uh, it, I am happy that I'm a, a full fledged something and not multi classing. I'm, I'm into that for sure. I guess it's cool to be on my toes a little bit. You
0: say that you've never really been into like your character being religious or anything like that, but we did a guest thing with Lucas of Ballad of the Seven Die. True. And you were the star player <laughs> as a religious cleric yes (laughs) i will agree there
5: i really appreciate that that and it means a lot yeah thanks
0: guys (laughs) so i think you uh you down yourself on the complex characters and it's really more simple than you think you just you're afraid to to take that leap
5: I, i will say like i'm like i don't know man i'm always afraid that like i'm gonna like i don't know not i guess let you guys down let the listeners down let everybody down like i'm always afraid that i'm not doing good enough or i'm not gonna remember things well enough i'm not gonna be able to play play the character well enough like
0: we are not that intense, but yeah. I know
5: that. I know, though, that. yeah. that's why I'm like, I don't really mean it with y'all, because I know we're all friends. Like, no one really cares, but, like, I always want to do my best, and, like, I hate when I feel like I didn't achieve that.
6: I'm just envisioning a scenario where we take a break and go outside and to smoke, and we're just, like, man, really disappointed with your...
3: <laughs> why would you do that? Matt,
5: did you really just fucking say that in there, dude?
1: I mean, that's me with, like, rolling shitty and wanting to do cool shit to help my friends, and then I'm just upset for the rest of the session (laughs) because nothing cool happened.
0: I mean, yeah, it's it's still just a
5: game. I know, I know.
0: And, you know, when you play a game, sometimes you'll lose.
5: I'm not worried about losing. I just still want it to, uh, I don't know, Be good. (laughs) I don't want to lose because I forgot something.
2: Uh, Look straight up. I love helping you with your mechanics.
5: Well, thank you. (laughs) I don't know if I can play my character without you.
1: But the best part is, is if you do fuck up or forget something, like let your character take over. Yeah. Like, oh shit, Finch, fucking. Yeah. Fucking asshole. That
5: that was just like I was just role playing.
0: Will Dave let Radams record the post, record and post a video of Dave doing the Gobble Folk voice? And yes,
5: I will.
6: Thank you.
0: You want to do it right now or? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I have to take the headphones off to shake my head. Is this head Patreon like I
5: do. only? That's how you get people to start <laughs> fucking paying
0: <laughs> for a little 10 second clip of me going, whoa. <laughs> Hold on. Hero. Wait, no.
6: <laughs> I'm now recording. The
5: frost lord.
3: <laughs>
1: oh god, the noise.
5: That was a real sloppy and that was good. Yeah. Oh fuck, sloppy.
1: I should have
6: Hold on, do it one more time but I'm going to record it in slow mo.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or do what's it called a boomerang, yeah. You know. I want to do this in the slow mo right.
6: first. Hold on, all right. You ready? Yes. The frost lord. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can you actually see with the microphone in front of his face?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to put oh, my.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs>
5: the slow mo is worth paying for, y'all. Just saying, you only got to donate what a dollar a month or something.
2: Yeah, po- post the the normal speed will go on Instagram. The slow mo is for Patreon.
1: Golly, dude! It just reminds me of like middle school when people would be like.
5: there's just so much facial movement (laughs) Uh,
4: that's good
0: well this is our last and final question I'm going to say it's from him because he is always pushing me about this but uh, you all are down for a campaign two podcast right
1: right Right?
0: I mean, I don't know if we really have an answer for that. I don't know if I want y'all to say anything, but I can tell you listeners this. After this campaign is done, we are at a minimum taking a year break. This has been going on for five so far, and we'll probably end it with six. So I need an editing break, a prep break, just a brainstorming break in general. Don't know what's going to happen with everyone's lives come that next two years, possibly. And not sure if everyone can commit to three years, so things happen in life. Don't know if we'll be able to do it, but there is a hope, and we will try. But it's not a guarantee.
5: I mean, yeah, I mean that, that's pretty much it. I, I mean, I think of all the extracurriculars, this would be the one I wouldn't want to give up the most. It's the easiest and the funnest. Like easiest for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, right, I, that's yeah. another thing. Like I know it's a lot on you, and and now Ryan a little bit too, but like. Yeah, I I know how much of your life you spend on this, and I, I think maybe a lot of people don't realize it outside of this table. I try to never speak for my future self, but I'm always down to
2: throw some dice on the <laughs>
6: mic or off. I'm
0: I'm down. Yeah.
6: What if I have a kid a year from now, man? See, that's the thing, man. We yeah. we're at
0: kid age,
6: right? <laughs> <laughs> we're to the point where, like, if 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 I popped in here and said, uh, "She's pregnant. And I'm having a kid," you don't like. It's not like a oh god. It's like a Oh, my God, finally! Holy shit! <laughs> nah, man. I, of course, I would always be down. But like you said, I don't know what my life would be like in the future and what kind of decisions I would make regarding availability and stuff. But like, I mean, I remember there was a time when um, I think we were Twitch streaming or something at the time, and someone that we knew from high school came in and was like, man, it's so dope to see that y'all are still so close. And I kind of don't want to let go of that. Right. Because I know if, we didn't have this, it would be like a lot m- rarer for us all to see each other.
5: I don't know. It, it'd be cool to keep doing it. That's a big part of what I don't want to lose to. Yeah,
0: because yeah, there was like a two or three month time frame where we didn't record because we had banked so many episodes and whenever y'all came over, I was just like, oh my God, I'm so glad to
4: see you <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, we'll just have to make sure to keep, you know, our Monday nights. We'll play board games or something. Maybe, so. maybe we can. Or
2: even like, even if we like the a future
0: podcast doesn't happen. That don't mean we don't, just keep playing DD. I mean,
6: yeah, I like, was
0: playing DD, but yeah. d before the listeners say, answering the whole recording question. <laughs> or if it's anything.
1: Like, but we want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If anything, if at one point in our life we are all available, we could have a reunion.
3: <laughs> oh, that would be so cool. We could at
5: least put out some Holiday Planes
1: episodes. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, let's
0: delve into that part. <laughs> 30 years from now, <laughs> we're having a reunion episode.
3: That is Never the new podcast, The Holiday Planes. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. anybody got anything else they want to say about the act, about the campaign, about the podcast, about life?
6: Thanks for engaging with us, man.
0: Yeah, for real. Really fucking cool. I love getting these questions. They they really uh give us some perspective. And oh, I mean, I guess I could re- read the review we got today. No, cool. Oh, Cool. Sure. Read the review we got today?
5: Let's see here. one star you guys suck (laughs) boom (laughs) quit now (laughs) fuck that Dorth guy right
0: (laughs) I wish you guys weren't friends (laughs) (laughs) don't even bother finishing this campaign (laughs) All right. so the uh, review was from Ironwood Man uh, which I don't know who that is Uh, not on our discord or anything I don't think couldn't find them on Twitter but title is awesome story Table and production value. Five stars. I listen to a lot of actual play podcasts and usually stick with the ones that stand out in one area. The highly produced casts usually feel less real at the table. The ones that are just a group of a group recording their regular home sessions feel clunky and awkward. And the comedy shows can barely feel like D and D at all sometimes. Four orbs hits all the high notes from the original music to a deeply immersive world to players feeling like friends at a table should. I've been with Dave and Company since episode 1 and I've loved every minute of it. Oh, thanks man. A like good review. Ironwood Ironwood man. Ironwood man. Thanks Ironwood man. Ironwood man. man. Ironwood man, man, man.
5: Iron Man. Man, 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 man. It's, it's Ironwood
1: time. <laughs> Thanks, man. So
0: yeah, if you haven't uh given us an Apple Podcast review, you can tell how much that makes us happy. So be sure
4: to go do that if you can. Yeah, drop us some ratings on Spotify. Yeah, ratings. Yeah. That's a,
0: that's literally a button, y'all. If you're on Spotify and haven't at least given us a rating of whatever rating you think we are, you're just lazy. I haven't. <laughs> Deidre, Deidre, Deidre. Deidre, Deidre,
2: Deidre. Why, say I should? It was just about the
1: easiest review you can do. Yeah. Even I did it. I Well, I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify.
0: Yeah, you do actually have to listen to an episode on Spotify to give the rating. Oh, well,
1: really? That's, that's fair. Yeah.
5: I guess that is fair. Well, I've
1: listened to a lot of no, them on
5: Spotify. I, I switched to Spotify whenever we started doing the tile art, but I obviously haven't done tile art in a long time. Yeah, so. I
0: need to catch up on that, too, but... I also need to be doing remasters episode four, and then I don't even want to touch episode five yet.
5: Well, that's what people have to look forward to when the campaign finishes. No, I
0: need to get it done before the campaigns. I don't want to work on it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it's
5: supposed to that be a break.
1: <laughs> it was a break.
2: I don't know if I've shown you guys this, but it's my uh, Spotify replay or whatever. Uh, Rewind, Spotify, Spotify Rewind. wrapped. Yeah, wrapped. Uh, talking about talking. You spent 11,273 minutes listening to podcasts this year. Your favorite genre was fiction, but you love some games and hobbies and leisure too. <laughs> <laughs> Here are my top five podcasts on Spotify.
3: <laughs> <laughs> four, of Forbes, 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 Forbes. It is Forbes. five pictures of them.
2: <laughs> it's like his computer froze. I
5: he won solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: you need to screenshot that and put it Patreon yeah. content. You gotta pay for it to see it. We're really aiming <laughs> up the feature <laughs> right for the last year of the podcast.
3: <laughs>
5: you gotta pay to hear it now.
6: <laughs> yeah, have it come out free up until the last episode of <laughs> the final, oh. and then just oh, yeah. lock it all. the <laughs> oh, man, hundred
2: bucks a month. You want a campaign too or
6: not? <laughs> All you can do is hear about how awesome it is from people that have already heard it. <laughs>
0: All right, I think that's it, y'all. I think we're done. I think we. I think we round tabled. Damn, so we did it. We done done the thing. Yeah. Did it. Good job, y'all. All right, yeah, that's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Right. Bye. Over. Peace, okay, bye. Peace
3: out. <laughs> Four-